1: What's going on everyone? Taylor Kyle's here for CLNS Media. Coming at you on the best damn day of the week where Alex and I talk about some college football. This is Pat Saley brought to you as always by our friends at FanDuel. More from them in a moment. But you might notice there's someone else in the chat who I'm going to address. So obviously we have the Shrine Bowl just wrapped up with the Senior Bowl last week. So it's never too late to recap some of these guys. Get some potential Patriots fits and also Damian Parson. Of the draft network does an incredible job breaking down all these prospects on the scouting reports. I used a ton when I was trying to do my little write-ups. Uh I reference your work all the time, man. I'm so excited to have you on. Damien, how you doing? And how was mobile? I know you just got back.
0: Yeah, man, I'm doing good. Doing good. You know, uh kind of trying to catch up on some sleep the last couple of days since returning back. It was a very action-packed week, man. Uh going from practice to interviews to you know just everything in between man but it was great it was great the loaded group of of talent that uh jim Nagy and his staff was able to acquire and to build out that roster and just to be able to see a lot of those guys uh who are sure to be first round picks see them in, up close in person and it was it was a great experience
1: that's awesome, man. I am I live vicariously through you. I keep saying that, but next year, I'm going to see you down there. I promise. you got to come on down,
0: man. you got to come on down.
1: I will. I will. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. This season caught me by storm. Before we get into the prospects, I want to know who you thought were some good fits, some guys that really impressed you. First, we've got to talk about this Gerard Mayo-era coaching staff. Now, Things have been coming pretty hot and heavy today. We had four people who either were hired or reported to be targets of the staff. So I don't expect you to know every single name, but so far, from your perspective, what did you think of the Gerard Mayo hiring itself as the head coach? And how do you think they're doing so far in terms of running things with it looking like Elliot Wolf is the de facto GM and them really going more of the Packers Browns route, where they're getting a lot of guys who have connections to either Wolf or with Alex Van Pelt, their current offensive coordinator?
0: No, I, I love the hire for Gerard Mayo. I mean, you get a guy that's been dedicated to this franchise for his entire career as a player, being on the staff with Bill Belichick, but he's, he's a guy that I don't think is going to fall into what we've seen other coaches from the Belichick quote-unquote tree fall into, and that's trying to be Bill. There's only one Bill Belichick. You cannot replicate that, Um, you know what I mean, that level of respect, that level of attention grabbing that he's able to he's been able to do for 20 some odd years right whether it was as a coordinator or as a head coach so i think with gerard mayo being a former player he knows how to talk that language especially with these younger these younger men that's coming into the league i think he'll be able to really be really be able to grab their attention uh develop them as men But one thing I really loved about it was like, this is a former middle linebacker who saw a lot of different style quarterbacks, right? Like the Cam Newtons. He saw a lot of guys in this league that where he's going to have his ideal type of thought for quarterback. And I think that's for me is like really impressive because when you got a guy who, who knows, all right, what are the advantages and disadvantages of playing a Peyton Manning, a Drew Brees, right. To a Cam Newton or a young RG three, right. Those type of guys, like, when you have somebody who's been in the trenches and had to game plan and actually had to play against those type of guys, he can think to himself, all right, what was the most difficult challenge out of all of them? Who did I hate playing against? What skill set did I hate playing against the most? And I don't know. And some people probably be like, well, it's probably Peyton. I wouldn't, bet, I wouldn't doubt that it'd probably be like a Cam Newton because it's like this is a problem all in itself that you can't really truly really game plan for because the game plan just needs one slip up and now he's out for sixty, or he throws a bomb for seventy—different things of that nature. So I think he, him being at the helm, uh, no, know, he knows what type of guy he would want on his team, or he'd rather have on his team that he'd rather face. And I think that's what's exciting for me heading into this draft season with Gerard Mayo. And I love Alex Van Pelt. You know, he's worked with a lot of different uh, quarterbacks from his time in Green Bay, of course, with Aaron Rodgers. Spent a couple, you know, a year or two over in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, but even recently, right, with um with Cleveland. I think what's what's special about what happened in Cleveland, he saw four different, like three or four different quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, DTR, uh uh Walker, and then of course Joe Flacco. And it's like, man, those are different style guys. And him being able to still be able to help coach, get these guys prepared. I think that's gonna be that spells good, uh, you know, feels good going into New England, um, heading into the draft
2: season. So just to go back to everything you said though about Mayo and the quarterback. Sounds like you think they're going Jaden Daniels at three. I do. I do. I think okay.
0: I, I think Jaden Daniels is the right play uh, here. And I, I think I, there was a quote, I think, was it Kendrick Bourne maybe, who uh, made a quote talking about kind of talking up uh, Jaden Daniels, how much, you know, he, he loves his game and appreciates his game. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we see it, right, with you went the – Tom is a unicorn. Peyton Manning's a unicorn. To me, Drew right. Brees is a unicorn. Those guys are – just different and you don't find them every day you know no matter how many pocket passes come into the league this is a running man's game now so you need a guy that can create for you when the scheme doesn't allow him to be successful right like when the receivers are plastered the old line's starting to leak you know what i mean there's cracks in the the foundation you need a guy that can create with his legs and either create as a runner or just create second reaction opportunities and windows for your receivers So then it's a scramble drill. And the defense, as we all know, we see it every Sunday with these mobile quarterbacks. Somebody in coverage that's closer to the line of scrimmage gets antsy. Like I get to get a hit on the quarterback, forget that they're supposed to be in coverage, let their guy go free, and then that quarterback gets the ball out. And I think Jaden Daniels, he has arm talent. This and I've compared his straight line speed and acceleration to Lamar Jackson. We have I don't think we've seen a guy with this level of burst as a runner. Since Lamar Jackson coming into the, into the, now Lamar Jackson, of course, has the pacing and change of direction, like a running back or receiver. So that's a little different, but just straight line speed. You pop on the, the Alabama tape, like Alabama, he's outrunning <laughs> some of the best DBs and defenders in the SEC. So I think Jaden Daniels absolutely would be the pick for me at
2: three. And I, I just wanted to say too, huge fan of what you guys do at the draft network, you're a massive, massive help to me. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity here, uh, getting a chat with you. So just, just one more on the quarterback. Obviously every, I agree. Everything you said about Jane Daniels. I've said the Lamar Jackson stuff too. Uh, Drake may can move a little bit. You know, he's hardly a mobile. He's not yeah. Jane Daniels either. Are you saying Jane Daniels at three? Cause you think Drake may's off the board at two, if they were both there, would you still go, Jaden Daniels, or is Drake May maybe maybe a better fit for what Van Pelt wants to do?
0: I think, it, yeah, I'm definitely saying Jaden Daniels because I think that Drake May is going to be off the board by pick two. But <laughs> hypothetically, you know, yeah, if, if they were if still there, which way the board, would you go? Yeah, yeah. If they're both on the board, I'm taking Drake. I, I love Drake May's game, okay. arm talent, accuracy, ball placement. He's got some hero ballish tendencies, but that's because UNC just wasn't a very good team, right? Like he had Josh Downs last year. Um, and and like the, you know, he had Tez Walker this year, but Tez wasn't available until like week seven because the NCAA thing, you know, Bryson Nesbitt, who's actually a a talented tight end, but like the offensive line, the run game, you know, run game started getting the going this year with Omar Hampton, but like the offensive line was leaky, didn't have a great defense that would kind of help him and compliment him. So he definitely kind of fell into some hero ball things, but you know, we see, I think Jordan Love is kind of mastered the fadeaway throw, the fadeaway jump shot, as I yeah. call it. And Drake May does the same thing. I think he had a throw like that against Clemson on a deep over from the backside where he just kind of fades and just drops it right in the bucket to his receiver. This young man can make every throw on the field. And I think for him, you know, the main thing is like that Phil Longo system that he kind of grew up in, Um, especially same thing with Sam Howell. The footwork is going to be a big thing for him, getting these guys to not overstride, making sure that you're not super tosy in the pocket, that you can step, and, you know, throw and get that torque of your torso, keep the front side shoulder cl- uh, closed and everything. Like, just do the things necessary to to make sure that you're putting the ball right where it needs to be. But I think this is a big ball of clay. And like, like you said, he's not immobile. Like, he, I'm pretty sure he's probably going to run four six. I would not mm-hmm. be surprised if he hits four six. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits, like, 4.58 because he's got open field speed. Um, And I just, I, I think this is a guy, I know the Justin Herbert comps are out there. I don't like that comp because Herbert has a like, crazy arm talent. I don't think his arm is there with Herbert's, but he's got a very strong arm to make all the different throws. And I think that his body is still room for him to add more muscle and mass to it. Whereas like, because then for, because for me, I'm always watching him and I'm watching him run. I'm always antsy because he's like, he doesn't get down quick enough sometimes, like into that sliding motion. I'm like yeah. Drake, get down, please. Like I deal with that crap with Jaden. It drives me. I was nuts. gonna say Jaden yeah, must, must drive you crazy. Like, Jaden acts like he's a Madden player <laughs> with like the injuries off. Like I'm just like, bro, you can't be doing this. Like so then like, he turns you, into you know, Mario player, loses all his
1: coins. So. <laughs> <You>
0: legit, <laughs> like he's taking some crazy hits this year. So I I, I want him to relax, but I also be kind of watching Drake. Like please slide. Like please, you're a big target. You're six four almost six foot. Like, dude, you're a big talk. Please get down. You know what I mean? So I think if, if you're at three and if something crazy happened, um, and both those guys are available, I definitely think Drake may will be a better fit for the Van Pelt system. But I think okay. you're good either way.
1: And as I've like been able to dive into Van Pelt, it seems like you know, he, when his introductory presser with the Browns talking to Baker, about Baker Mayfield, his escapability, the creativity, that play extension, he clearly values that. And then with his system specifically, you don't usually see quarterback coaches take a big control over footwork. Usually like everybody's system has certain things they preach. I'm seeing Van Pelt was saying like, no, I respect everybody else. I have footwork that I want them to do my way, and we're going to do it because he has that West Coast system very mm-hmm. big on the quick passing game. You want that ball out in timing, and he said, uh, more like Meta- uh, Mozart than Metallic, so he wants that clear rhythm. So quarterback makes all the sense in the world, especially you got him, you got Ben McAdoo, you got TJ uh, T.C. McCartney, I'm sorry, who also has experience coaching quarterbacks and was a quarterback himself. Quarterback makes all the sense, again, but we have seen reports the Patriots might go with somebody like Joe Walt. With the number three pick I'm also my mind is kind of been open to hey if this is a Packers style front office where they're saying we're going to rebuild through the draft that's where we're going to get better it's also enticing to say hey flip that first don't go too far into the first round but get maybe another future first future second some more capital and really get a lot of picks inside the top 100. So I'm curious your thoughts on some alternative routes they could take. Do you think it would make sense for them to go with Joe Alt considering, you know, with Mac Jones, for everything he did poorly, he also had a rotation at tackle, and you need somebody who can kind of give you that consistency? Or what do you think about maybe not taking a player with that pick and trading back a little bit, like I said, and getting yourself some more capital with there being so many positions that this team needs to fill?
0: I mean, if they want if they if they decided to go pass on quarterback and go back, best player available. Um, I think especially best player available at need, right? So you got two big needs right now, off well, three quarterback, receiver, it's offensive like, tackle. <laughs> almost right? all so like you and you're at three, so you have a, a very you're in a very great spot. I think if you decided to say, you know what, this is a super deep receiver class, we can get some impact players rounds two and three for sure. I think you look at a situation of hey Joe Alt, he's my he's my offensive tackle one right now. I came into this came into the season with you know Olu Fashanu but Olu's still a little raw with like his hand carriage. It's low, wide. Which, to be honest with you, you watch a lot of these offensive tackles, and from some of the guys I've talked to, it's actually being coached that way. It's not the most effective thing when you got a you got Miles Garrett lined up across from you to leave your chest exposed. But you know, you live and you learn. So like this is those type of things. So Joe Alt is polished. He's athletic, former tight end, um, similar to like Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, a guy that's like you know big, six foot six, six foot seven. 315, 20 pounds, nimble footed. Um, he's got some stuff he has to work on with his lower body. Um, you know, even with his stance, right? Where it's like you watch him on tape and his head is lower, his butt is lower, is higher than his head. So it's like you want him to kind of get that bent, that knee bend a little bit so you can fire off. Cause then when your head's down, you can't see the direct weapon or direct defender that's in front of you. So if you're uncovered, that that defensive end is more of a six tech in terms of outside of your shoulder and you got a linebacker there. Or a linebacker shifts over with your heads down like that, and you're kind of, you know, you don't, you're not able to see the fire off. Like you can't get to those, and that allows those guys, and I've seen it on tape, it allows those second level defenders to see you coming and know that you're on the way and avoid you and evade you. You know what I mean? So you want to get them, like, get that stance worked out where his most muscle memory, bend the knees. is like his, his, his torso or his, from his waist down is like sky high. It's up, his head's down. So you want to work on those type of things, but man, hand placement, hand strength recoverability like he has all of those things right like you're not and with a guy with his frame and his arm length like you're not going to win inside track a lot of times so it's like you want to have to wide out wide nine him wide angle rush him to where you can pull him on that island but even then he has the, the that arm length to where if you do try to cross face or euro step as i call it he's got that inside hand ready for you yeah. so i think that he could be a cornerstone left tackle in this in this league for a decade plus, like he's very re- very very good. And if they decided to trade back, I mean, of course, the team that, that I think would be probably most pleasing to move up would probably be the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they mm-hmm. they've put themselves. And I mean, I'll probably say if you're a Falcons fan, you're probably glad that Arthur Smith is gone because you're you've been in no man's land in the draft for, like the last three years, right? Where you've drafted Drake May, and then because I think it was last, I think was, this is the third year in a row they've had the eighth pick where you could not, like, you're not in position to get a quarterback. So if they wanted to say, you know what, let's trade back, get a King's ransom, because moving up from 8 to 3 for a quarterback, oh yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to give up a lot of return. Rob him. Rob him blind. Send me a player, <laughs> give me a, a second round pick. You're going to have to send some things for me to even pick up the phone. You're going to have to send it through text so I can read it and make sure that, you know what I mean, we're on the same page. None of those That's green like bubbles either. You. I want
1: the blues. <laughs>
0: So it's like, you know, if if the Patriots really do want to just build through the draft, you can go ahead and stash draft capital. You can look and say, you know what? Maybe we pass on a first-round quarterback, right? And maybe we look at a Spencer Rattler in round two. Uh, Maybe we look at some of the quarterbacks next year. When you think about the Quinn Ewers, the Shador Sanders, uh, Jalen Milrose of the world, those type of guys where you say, all right, Mac, we're going to give you protection and weapons. If you still go out there. And you don't take care of business. We're cutting the court. Like, this thing is done. You know what I mean? So I think that's where they could go.
3: Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today, and you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24/7 support. Play it smart from the start. Gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234.
1: I this is why I love talking to you, man cuz I'm trying to say it's not that crazy to think that Matt could be the starter next season. Like This is the year where Mayo said, hey, it's a clean slate. We're starting fresh. Actually give this dude the stuff that you've been saying for years he needs. He came to the league needing talent around him. Now, like you said, you maybe get him a tackle, get him a weapon, finally give him an actual chance. In worst case scenario, you have your roster pretty well built out, but you need a quarterback, and if you get two first-round picks – even if you have a pretty solid season, that gives you capital where you can start moving up and getting someone like a Shadour Sanders, a Quinn, you or something like that. I love that a lot. Uh, Alex, anything else you want to ask before we move on to the prospects? Because I feel like I could keep going, but I, I got to show some self-control.
2: Well, I I, I mean, to, to get into the prospects, I, you're talking a lot about tackling. I'm somebody who wants to see them make the pick at three, especially if it's a quarterback. I look at that 34th pick and... Maybe it's moving up back into the back end of the first round. Maybe it's moving back a little bit from there. And that's how you accumulate extra picks. But I see that as a sweet spot for a tackle. And there were a number of guys at the senior bowl that are kind of in that call it 20 to 50 range at the tackle position, who I think would make a lot of sense for the Patriots. So among that top group uh, of tackles, who stood out to you in Mobile?
0: Oh man. You know, of course you think about Kingsley Sue Matia from BYU left tackle, athletic quick get off strong-handed he had a couple reps where he just put guys into the dirt um you know he plays with a nasty he's Samoan he plays with that nasty type of attitude but this is a guy that really to me is, he's probably going to be around that first round range um you know Talise Fuaga is one of my guys he's one of my guys since the summer and just kind of watching his evolution and his um uh, his growth and him watching him elevate up the draft boards, I think he's probably gonna lock, lock himself, especially the way he performed dynamo mobile. Like you know, you watch the tape against um, uh from UCLA, yeah. pitched almost a shutout against him, and they battled like two just two big hosses, two elite caliber players at the senior bowl and one on ones, just going at it. You know, he's got good good foot quickness, um, which to me was improved from watching him over the summer. So I think he's probably gonna be outside of that outside of that range, but. You think about guys like a guy that really impressed me was Christian Jones from Texas. 6'6, okay. 320. He moved much better in person than I expected. He had good strength. His hand carriage wasn't uh, you know, the worst in terms of like exposing himself to rushers. I felt like he had really good reps at times. So I think for him continue to working in the run game and just solidifying his technique. And you got yourself, I think he this is a guy that could play, especially right tackle. But you know, as well as if they wanted to wait, right? If they want if they really truly needed to wait a little bit later cuz you think about guys like, you know, Javon Foster who plays left tackle yeah. from Missouri, 6'5", 320 physical. I'll never forget watching him go up against his teammate Darius uh Robinson in kind of a run blocking and it was just like the level, you could tell these guys knew each other. Like the level of physicality at the at the point of attack as collision players. It's like that's what you want to see. This is a guy's going to bring a type of attitude in Terms of the run game to your offense, he can play some guard if you want him to, but I think that he's capable of playing tackle, whether that's left or right. But I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw out the name, and unfortunately, he won't be able to do anything this draft cycle because of an injury, and that's Yale's Kieran. I always mess up his last name. Uh, <laughs> I always mess up his last name. Emma gadeji 6'5, 320, athletic, powerful, good arm length. I'm talking about a guy that pops off the ball at the snap gets vertical in the run game. He loves to pick off those second and third level defenders, athletic as a puller. He could do a lot of different things. And it just it sucks because he was a we everyone expected him to be down in Mobile, but he had, I think it was a quad injury or something like that, uh, that took him out for the rest of the season and then the draft draft cycle, but he should be ready come training camp and everything. But if you if you have to wait, if you're able to, if you needed to grab a guy, like I said, third round somewhere in there. One hundred percent. This is a guy I'm taking the flyer on. This is a guy yeah. I really believe in. I know people love to, you know, level competition, and it's like, yeah, yeah. But you look at the, the ability, like you know what I mean. And you look at what does he bring to the team, and what can you know, what can I teach you? What can't I teach you? And you know, if it's some just some technical things, what's the thing that's probably his main thing is just hand, you know, hand techniques and stuff like that, punch timing and whatnot. I think that's where you go. You might hope that Troy uh, Foutanu from Washington. Yeah, who pulled out of the Senior Bowl? Uh Jim has told me he has over 34 inch arms, so he passes the passes the NFL threshold. This is a guy that, to me, as much as people want to play him at guard, he can play tackle to me. And I think the main thing you want to tell him is he's a, he's an aggressive repeat puncher. Whereas, like just like boxing, it's like, hey, be controlled with your hands. If you once your hands land, grip and latch. He'll just keep punching, and so his hands would be a little erratic. You think about dealing with like veteran pass rushers in the NFL, the TJ Watts, and all those types of Alex, even the Alex High and those type of guys, they're gonna not they're gonna clear your hands. So you want to get him to kind of just settle down, but I'm talking about athletic, foot speed, powerful. He plays with such a nasty attitude, like one of my favorite offensive linemen in this class.
2: So a guy, another guy, I another guy I'm just curious about because I also think he has that nasty and that's always something I look for. Like who was Taylor, we text each other. The guy from Georgia State, who yes, said, like, he's yep. like, I'm, I'm not a bitch or something in the middle of the <laughs> drill. I'm like, yeah, all right, he's on my list. Love that. Um, but uh, Patrick Paul, I thought, mm. showed up with, with a whole you lot of nasty. Um, oh, maybe me. didn't have the best week, but I, I, I'm curious, you know, in person, you obviously got a better view of it. For me, maybe didn't have the best week result-wise, but all the individual pieces I think you want to see from like a day-two tackle I thought mm. were there.
0: No, 100%. Like, I remember watching him. In uh, individuals, like it, it was about to be I think one on ones, and he was just kind of working on his pass set. And the uh, the amount of explosiveness that came out of this guy for 3'15", it was incredible. I was kind of in awe watching him. I was just like, he shouldn't be able to move like this. Like he's big, he's physical, he's gifted. There were times because him and um, Oklahoma's tackle Tyler Guyton, they were on the same yeah. line on the same team. So I remember like sometimes like walking up to the old line group. And I'm like, I have to look clearly to make sure I'm looking at the right guy. Because you see two, they're almost the exact same height and build. And then they're both their helmets are red. So I'm like, oh, yeah, man, you know, I had to look at them clearly. But I think he had a solid week. But then the main thing with him is that his hands were always so raw to where it's like, man, if you fix that and you hone that in, you got yourself a tackle for the next 10 years. Real like, quick, how much of that thing. has to
1: do with, like, the hug technique that he uses? Because mm-hmm. I was curious. It felt like he kept giving up so much ground. And it's like, well, yeah, that's part of what you're doing is you're conceding that. But it also felt like he was getting moved a bit too far, which could be problematic. Yeah. So how how much of that was the technique and how much of it was just he needs to do better executing it?
0: Uh, definitely a technique is a big part of it. You know what I mean? Because, like I said, like they're, they're coaching these kids at offensive tackle. They'll use what they call either the uppercut or... Um, the forklift maneuver, where it's like you bring your hands from low to high because they're teaching them. If your hands are too high, you're getting your hands knocked down. I'm like, well, counter to that, you bring your hands low. You're still getting knocked down because you're not ready for the fight. Right? Like, so it's just like, but I always compare offensive line, D line exchanges and then corner and receiver exchange at the line of scrimmage to boxing. It's all about who is going to be aggressive, whose technique is better. Cause if you come in there throwing wild punches, you're going to get a haymaker. Somebody's going to counter you. Right? So it's the same thing with o line. And, you know, it frustrates the life. I write this down so much about low, wide hands with these tackles. And I think for getting it with a good offensive line coach in the league, that can, like, hey, Paul, you got to fix this. You got to correct this. Bring your hands up a little bit. Bring them a little closer in to where then when you, because you have to reach advantage. So it's like the tail of the tape when you look at, you know, he's got 87s. This guy's got 78s. Listen, when you throw that jab, and you can literally keep them at bay. So it's like, Make, put yourself in position to defend yourself, to keep from dealing with the power, right? Giving your chest up, being that hugger. Uh, that happens so much, not just with him, but a lot of these guys. So I think if you can ho- get him to hone in on the technical aspect of his game, you're going to be very happy with what you can do with him. Because, again, the athleticism, the height, weight, length, and his play strength, I think he actually could get a little stronger as well. I think he can get a little stronger up, upper body and even with his anchor. And if you could do that and get him to be more technically refined, you're going to be very happy with him.
1: I'm curious because you keep mentioning technique, especially with hands. I'm curious. I'm not sure how familiar you are because it's hard enough to know about assistant head coach, much less like literally assistant offensive line coaches. But Scott Peters, assumingly the Patriots are hiring him as their offensive line coach. It isn't official that that's what it is yet, but you'd think they put him in a role that he's already been in. Learned under the legendary Bill Callahan, obviously worked with a lot of Browns offensive linemen. What do you know about Scott Peters? Uh, Are you kind of confident in the Patriots hiring him as their guy? Just give me your general thoughts if you really have any, because that was one of the more recent. So I haven't
0: looked into him as much, but when you said that he worked with Bill Callahan, he's worked with the Browns, I'm confident. You know what I mean? Just off of that in itself. The Browns have had, you know, outside of, I think, Jedrick Wills was probably a disappointment, you know, at left tackle being a first-round pick. But when you look at the rest of that line, like they played well, and then they would, I remember there were times they would rotate guys because of injuries and still run the ball without Nick Chubb, pass protect, allow Joe Flacco, who's not the most nimble, he's not a spring chicken anymore, right? So you're allowing him to be able to drop back, sit in the pocket, climb, and just uncork bombs to Amari Cooper and, and you know DPJ and different things of like that, and get the ball to David and Joku. So with a guy with that type of experience and under the tutelage of some of the – one, especially Bill Kellen, one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL, I I feel confident with that, that he's going to be able to, A, coach these guys. And I think, if I remember correctly, well, Cleveland ran kind of a mixed run game, like especially when they had Chubb, Healthy, and Kareem Hunt. They were just run based on who's in the backfield. Chubb was much better as a zone guy. Kareem Hunt was much better as a gap guy. And it was basically that offensive line, and it's like it goes to the coaching that their footwork was always so good no matter which style they were running, whether it was zone and their L-stepping and and making that reach block or you're talking about not chopping your feet but running and and getting that explosive first step upfield. So I think with a guy that's been under that type of tutelage, I feel good with.
2: Well, you mentioned the the handwork. Peter's background is in MMA and I think jiu-jitsu. So you would think that he's maybe a guy that if you get one of these guys where the the hand placement is the Mm -hmm. big issue – it seems like he would be the perfect kind of coach, right, to fix something like that. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. It's, it's, it's very you know, any co- any hand to hand combat, like you know, understanding how to where to how to protect right. yourself, where to put your hands is so important. So having that background as well, I think that's going to be a big thing. You know, just because I, I he's going to spot it and identify it quickly. Like, why are your hands so low? Why are you not in in a more protective state? Especially because you already in you. Pass protection, you're already retreating. You know, that's your whole pass set is retreating typically, unless you are quick or shorts or jump setting a guy, which you're being aggressive. But typically, if you're vertical or um 45 degree angle setting a guy based off of the drop of the quarterback, man, you're you're already in a retreat mode. So it's like you don't you're already in that spot. You don't want to have your hands down, right? Like it's just like a boxer backing into the corner and not having his hands by his face to protect from from a hook. You want to make sure. That you are in the right state to keep yourself upright because then when you start punching late or punching early, like you like punch timing is key. I got you never want to punch early because you can't, you typically can't recover from an early punch. Because once you punch early and that guy swipes you, you're clearly you're beat, right? It's just like a DB, like you know, if you shoot the inside hand and press and the guy double hand swipes you inside, that that inside hip locks and now you're beat, he stacked you easily. So it takes so much time. And so much more physical nature to be able to turn your hips side of that and recover. It's the same thing, but one guy I would I would say if they were to pass on tackle and maybe get aggressive and try to move back up, if they wanted to, Marius Men from Georgia. Like
2: yeah, I really like this that.
0: is a guy like you know he wasn't at you know he he started the back end of the season like last year like the playoffs for Georgia at right tackle. He was supposed to start all this year, but he battled – I think it was an ankle. He got uh, hurt. I think it was a South Carolina game. It was like a muddy rain game. And I can't remember if he slipped or someone fell into him. And they missed him for a couple weeks, probably about a month. And um, But you're talking about 6'6", six, 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 330, physical, athletic, powerful. Like, he's he's got a little two-hand punch in him, so you got to tell him, like, all right, re- relax with that a little bit. But, like, mm-hmm. it's timed well. and You know, for a guy with his – but the the lacking of experience, right? You know, what I mean, I remember Broderick Jones started the back end of his like the his junior year or his like sophomore year, came into the 2022 season, started the whole year, went top 15 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they played him at right tackle. And I think that's a you know, what I mean, and he he balled out this year, it was great for him. And he was my OT1 coming into last year's draft. I love Amarius Mims, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, this the combine is gonna be big for him. A, test the medical, make sure that the the ankle or the, the lower body is fine, but also measuring in and showing the movement skills on the field. Like he's he's a guy that where I think especially with Talise and um, with all these different tackles at the top. This is a guy that could slip down towards the back end of the of the first right now at least. And it's like, man, if you're sitting there at 34, you're like, hey, what do we have to get? What do we have to give up to to move up and get this guy and, and make sure? Because at the end of the day. When it comes down to Mac Jones, if you don't go quarterback, I, I I tell everybody this: like, pocket passers are fine, but you look at what Tua has done, right? What did Tua need? Offensive line, ton of weapons, things like that. I know Dolphins fans don't want to hear me say say <laughs> stuff like that, but you know it's the same thing with Mac, right? Where physically they're limited, and now for me, I'm you know we talk about it on Locked NFL Draft, I'm a traits guy with quarterbacks. I'm a trade because at the end of the day. I think about getting older. When you're in your 28s, your 29s, your 30s, and then that you know your arm is already been mid tier and it starts to decline, then we got a problem. But it's like mm. the kind of I like guys who are if you're a Le, if you're LeBron James of sorts, if you're the the Michael Jordan's of sorts where you're athletically gifted to where the technical spots I can get you to. Yeah, when you're when your athleticism starts to die down a little bit, what did, what did MJ do? He started living in the post. Right, LeBron's like, well, throw it to me on the low block. I can play point guard from here. So it's like those type of things where the arm talent's not gone. But if you can't run the four three anymore, but you're four five, I'm fine with that. If you're going from a middle tier arm to a weak arm, that's not my type of that's not my type of jam. So I think you want to protect Mac, but also get him those weapons because he's gonna need everything possible. To just elevate himself because he's always been kind of a physically limited guy, and that's probably one of been one of my biggest things when it came down to drafting them top 15. I wasn't a fan of the pick because I'm like, Man, Bill, you need somebody like you don't have that was right after Brady left. You don't have a lot of weapons, you need somebody that can put a truck. You need a truck. Somebody say, you know what? I got a lot of luggage to haul, I got a lot of bricks and everything. We try to rebuild this house. I need somebody I could throw those things on, close the hatch crank it up and we can roll right and it's going it may take time to build the house but i got a guy that's going to be able to carry all the equipment all the instruction all the, everything i need all of those things back to the spot so we can rebuild this, this franchise
1: so you mentioned the weapons. Who are some receivers that stood out to you in these all-star games? Some guys you think, you know, realistically, Patriots may not go receiver with their first pick because you need you have needs a quarterback and offensive tackle. You got to get the insurance before you get all the nice stuff. So if you're talking about like second, third round, maybe even fourth, who are some guys you think could be in the range? That would be a good fit for what Alex Van Pelt likes to do.
0: Well, man, um, Ricky Pearsall from Florida. Yes, uh, yeah. got it. It yes. had a strong week route running. You know, I remember he he interviewed with our guy over at the draft network, Justin Mello. He said, I'm the best route runner in this class. And he's one of them. That's for sure. He's one of them. This this young man understands pacing, leveraging. He has kind of that you think about the Wells Welker, where it's like, okay, you want to play me physical in my stem, he'll lean, he'll do the same thing. He'll lean into you and then break the opposite direction. Very nuanced, um, strong handed. Can't remember which game it was, was it it might have been Georgia? Uh, where he's like running across the middle, and the ball is not accurate at all, and he just goes up with one hand and snacks, snatches it out of the sky. And I'm just crazy. like crazy, he's he's a little bit different, he's got kind of a closer <laughs> mentality, too. Where it's like, give me the ball, like, I want the ball, and, and you love that about him. Lad McConkey is like this almost low-hanging fruit. It was like, Man, you know, just get give the Patriots that guy that can just get open. <laughs> And like he had one of the more dominant days, day one last week, where it's just like no one could cover him. And from his footwork to his tempo to his pacing, the quickness in and out of his breaks, a guy that can st- like just literally stack moves together. And it was just like watching, you know, I, I hate the white receiver, white receiver, the white receiver comes. I absolutely hate him. Um, you know what I mean? But everybody's like Cooper Cup. I said, you know, he reminds me of a kind of a little bit smaller version mm-hmm. of Robert Woods um mm-hmm. where it's like you know sure-handed he just gets open right um another guy jamari thrash and um just watching yeah. him he had probably he had a touchdown and on the date on day three of practice off of the best throw in my opinion from spencer Rattler, back shoulder yeah back yeah. shoulder mm-hmm. in the in the in the corner of the ends on the right the pylon against tight coverage from dj james and just watching him run routes like this is a he reminds me of Jaden Reed coming out from last year, who had a Ooh, good yes. Senior Bowl. You know what I mean? And yeah. just I think he might be a little more nuanced as a route runner, where the the phrase is, you know, you make everything look like a fade until it's not, and he knows how to do that. He'll get he'll sell a takeoff and then stop on the dime and cut back inside. You know what I mean? And he's he's quick twitch, quick footed, and he actually showed more speed. Me and Keith talked about him uh leading up, and I was like, he reminded me more of a. Uh, Quicker, more explosive, Jacoby Myers. Whereas, like you know, you got a guy like this who knows how to get open, but isn't afraid to play the ball at the catch point. Is tough, is physical, and he's a team team first type of guy. Like that, that's the type of guy you want. I mean, if you deal with, especially like you know, think about second round, Brendan Rice. If you want to get that big X, somebody like got had a, a a good week. Um, man, like the day one, I think he drew like three or four pass interference penalties. Yep. He caught everything. It every looks like he didn't have him. a great
1: day. It looked like he like, didn't have a great day. So you're Like they're grabbing onto him. He can't go anywhere. He's right.
0: People yeah. were questioning like, man, can he, is he separating? I'm like, well, it's kind of hard when someone's hugging your waist. Hey, um, like, you know, he's <laughs> clearly hard to cover. That was kind of my yeah. takeaway. Yeah. Very difficult to cover. Cause like guys panic because he, he, again, he does the same thing. He sells the vertical takeoff very well to where you don't know when he's going to plant and cut in the opposite direction, whether it's an inbreaker, breaker an out breaker, or even on a post. And all three of those times that I think it was the kid, one of the kids from Penn State that he panicked at the top of the route every time and he grabbed him, he fought through it. And I, I was actually That's talking sweet. to one of the DBs out there and I was like, who's been one of the toughest covers for you? And he was like, man, like Brendan, like you see, you, you look, you see him up close. I was like, yeah, he's like, he's 6'3". Almost 215. He was like the way he looks, yeah. No, that's real. Like he's very strong. He was like, you can't play physical with him like that because he 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 entices it, he wants it. So it's like you think about those bigger receivers who I think to me, he reminds me a little bit of Michael Thomas, um, coming out of Ohio State. And um, so it's like I think he might have a little bit more vertical speed, but ball scales, he's completely different from his father, Jerry Rice. Jerry was that route running nuance guy. This is a, a big, strong, strapping kid that says, you know what, every pass should be thrown to me, and you know he's quick footed, but also he like actually he has good vertical speed and he tracks the ball well. You know he plays well through contact, he blocks well also. So you know the thing about you know if going to a Gerard Mayo led team, like you're gonna have to sell out for everything on offense. You can't just be out there taking plays off. And I think Brendan Rice, third round, you can get yourself a legitimate X receiver. To go with, you know, Pop Douglas is a slot. And then if you can find, which in this class with the Jalen McMillan's, the Jalen Polk's, you can find a deep threat in this class, bar none for sure. Um, the Jacob Cowing, stuff like that. Guys who are going to run 4 3, 4 4. I think that, you know, you can really elevate Mac, uh heading into 2024 if that's the quarterback. If it's not, and it's Jaden Daniels and whatnot, you still feel really good about putting some young pieces for him to grow with.
1: With Brennan Rice, man. Yeah, I th- I think we both saw uh, the clips on Twitter, like the one in the red zone where he's one in the first one's on the slant, then the whip. But it's like he got some bend to him for a big mm-hmm. guy. It's not like I'm not putting him in the A.J. Green category, but when yeah, you yeah. see those tall, slender guys and in those kind of moves where they really get down, it's like, all right, that's you think of him as just a jump ball guy. But, yeah, they're going to be tough covers and tight quarters, too. I love all those names you threw out there. Last one, I'm going to hit you with quarterbacks. Now, you mentioned Spencer Rattler. I want to get more of your insight on how he did. But what did you think of some of the other guys? Who do you think they could maybe be in the Patriots' wheelhouse in terms of guys they could potentially target, you know, given what Van Pelt and McAdoo have said in the past they like in their quarterbacks?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the probably one of the bigger names that I, I kind of expect to slide a little bit, you know, Michael Penix Jr. You know what I mean? If he's there at the top of the second round. You turn that card, in. of course. You got we gotta wait till Indy got you know two three weeks away from the combine that's for his the two torn ACLs. You want to make sure that that's fine, right? You don't want to get there and then hear a Tajay Spears. Well, I don't know if he has any ACLs left, like that type of report, right? Like you know, uh, but and Tajay Spears still did his thing as a rookie, so like you don't want to hear that the long term projection for him is not good. So if he goes there and passes the medicals. And, you know, he's. I think he's going to do well in interviews. He's just spend some time with him, you know, down in Mobile, smart kid. Arm talent is there. Uh, pure. He's, he, he's a pocket pass. He still has mobility. He's not the athlete he was prior to the ACLs, but he can still move and get you five to seven to eight yards and still keep the chains moving if you're playing man-to-man and you don't really close them in. The main thing with him is kind of dealing with pressure, uh, where you start flushing him to – his left making him throw on the move and that's where he's not as comfortable but you know you're talking about being able to protect him if you were to pass on quarterback you go joe alt round one and you get this kid you know this young man in the top of the second round everything cleared you feel good about it and uh, i think he had a solid week he didn't have you know He i wanted to see him come out and take over but i felt like a lot of the quarterbacks just it took them a minute to, to settle in right it was like hey, I don't have Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan out here. I have to learn these other guys, right? Same thing with Bo Nix. Bo Nix was probably, in all honesty, the, the guy I was least impressed with. Like, I, you know, yeah, he, he did solid in the game. Um, He's much better on the move. But for a fifth-year starter, I still have questions about processing and reading defenses. And when you've started all five years in college, I don't want to have those questions. I can have those questions about J.J. McCarthy because he's twenty year old, 20 years old and, you know, Jim Harbaugh wanted to run the football like it was 1945. Like, so it's like, you know, you, you expect to have those type of um, questions about a kid young man like that because the experience and what he's been able to you know, see and do and what he was asked to do was kind of, you know, here and there. Right. But for me, overall, I think, you know, you look at Penix, I, I, plus I don't think J.J. makes it out of the top 25, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think J.J. is going to be a top, t- top 20 pick. But you know, when you look at you know, for me, Michael Penix and Spencer Rattler. Rattler had a he was the best quarterback all week. Uh, I felt like he settled down the quickest out of all the quarterbacks. Like really, kind of got into his rhythm. And I just, I one thing I do is I'm especially like live in person scouting at these events. I'm watching body language. Like how are you handling the ups and the downs? And like I remember he threw a pick in like team drill, and I watched for his body language. I was like, all right, let's see if he's gonna sulk it. And he just was like, all right, that's on me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, kept his head up. And this is a young man that's coming from this year. He kind of the C.J. Stroud thing against Georgia. He had to show that he's mobile in 2023 because South Carolina did not have a great offensive line. They couldn't protect him. You know, I think the first game, they gave up almost 10 sacks to a bad North Carolina like pass rush. Like, so they got lit up all season, and he showed the ability to make throws on the run, evade, create for himself, and then that was a good thing. So then when he is protected, at um, you know, at the Senior Bowl, he's making quick decisions, getting the ball to the flats. He can work from under center. He can work the RPO game, work out of shotgun. And like I said, that throw to Jam- uh, Jamari Thrash was outstanding. But then also, you think back to the game. The first drive, he orchestrates it. He checks it down, gets it to his, you know, screen game, gets it to the flats, gets it to the running back who's open. Then when they get into that striking range, inside that f- inside the fifty on the opposite side, he uncorks a deep bomb. To, uh you know rosemary jack Saint from from Georgia. beautiful throw right there where he needs it helmet or higher has got gives this guy a chance and understands that the DB is not looking the dB's beat so he's playing uh trail and he's trying to work back in phase and he's not looking for the ball he just did a great job and I think this is a young man who combats gonna be a big for him to, to interview and some people gonna ask him questions about, hey, that Netflix series when you were 16, like you know what I mean? Like, oh, well. better have an answer by now, <laughs> right? A minute. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, great yeah. guys, I'm, you know, I'm like 22 years old now. Thanks. Um, you know, <laughs> so it's like having to answer those questions. I think if he does that well, um, his 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 whole attitude, man, the whole week, it was a business trip to him, but you also saw him just kind of be loose. Where everybody else, I felt the whole week was just tight. He was dancing, mm-hmm. he was vibing. He spent time with fans after practice, making sure he tried to sign as much stuff for these kids for the kids who were calling his name the whole time. I think this is a guy that would absolutely fit with Gerard Mayo if they were to pass on uh QB early on, because he's got the he's, he can make every throw in the book. This kid has a strong arm. And with his accuracy and mobility, I think he's he's gonna be a, a nice starting quarterback in the NFL.
1: And how do you feel about his process? Because, like, everything I've heard about him as a person, like, not just all the stuff that, you know, you want to hear, yeah. but also just, like, teammates love him. He knows people in the building. Like, he definitely seems like somebody who could come in and be- – be the kind mm-hmm. of future franchise guy but again processing not exactly older but still somebody where you kind of hope to see more from him than what you know I've heard about and seen on tape so yeah. do you think that's an area of his game that you could expect to reasonably improve or is that something that you really do want to have him sit and maybe kind of get up to speed before he's thrown out there
0: no I, I think it's something that he's going to be able to improve. he's he's shown the maturity where it's like he's kind of has that working man mentality where it's like, I'm going to put in the work regardless of whatever's going on around me. And I think that he's going to showcase that to teams and be able to come into camp. And He's coachable, right? Like, I'm, I'm watching him take the... That's another thing. Being at this event and seeing how these guys handle coaching is a big thing because I think me... I can't remember. I think me and you talked about it when I came on with you prior. I watched Keon White, you know, yeah, did not do a drill correctly, thought he was correct. Coach told him, no, it was wrong. He's like, well, coach, just show me the show me the way. What do I need to do? What did I do wrong? Help me correct it. And in that moment, he took the coaching the very next rep, he killed it. And I was like, man. And then when he went to the Patriots, I'm like, well, yep, yeah, that makes sense. He's a very coachable young man that Bill Belichick would absolutely love. And clearly he did. Right. So I think with, with Spence taking the coaching that they gave him, um, understanding the the to, to orchestrate the offense, or you do you see some guys come out there and kind of freelance even with the plays designed to go somewhere, and I didn't I didn't feel that from him. So I think his processing, with with him being such a, a hard worker, I think you you should expect the processing to get better and to get quicker. I think the main thing is just getting them with the right coach, which I think Alex Van Pelt would absolutely be a good coach for him.
1: Anything you got, Alex, before we get Damian out of here? I know we took up so I'm much good. time. Yeah, this I know we're already well body. over, so... <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, brother. Please let the people know where they can find you and give us an update on what good stuff you got coming down the pipeline. You know we'll be locked in.
0: Of course, Twitter or X as people call it. Uh, you can find me there, DP underscore NFL. Uh host locked on NFL Draft five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, and of course, all my scouting reports and everything over at the Draft Network. And I also do some um NFL writing covering the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins over at A to Z Sports. So Check. I I do NFL writing for them. Period. So I can touch all thirty-two teams. It just depends on if I have an angle or not. So you can check out all my work in all those different places. I'm I'm basically everywhere.
1: All right, Alex, we had, as I mentioned, a ton of coaching hires today. We had three official hires. We had one person who the Patriots are apparently in talks to add to their staff. We'll go with the first of the hires. Well, actually, we could, if you want, start with Ben McAdoo, if you got any thoughts on him, because he was hired. I believe it was really made official um, yesterday. So what did you think about that one? Anything new since we kind of heard the rumors that he might be tied to the team?
2: Yeah, it's not my favorite hire look, we, we talked about the the need and the want to get somebody with head coaching experience on the staff. I was thinking more um, of a uh, uh, Frank Wright kind of person who, you know, had had a certain level of success. I think McAdoo did okay as an offensive coordinator in New York. It, it did not go well as a head coach. He did not make it through two seasons. Um, and a guy that, didn't have a ton of success hands-on working with quarterbacks. And my worry was he was going to be the de facto quarterbacks coach. Now it looks like that's not going to be the case. I know that there's the things out there about him identifying quarterbacks in there, identifying quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks are two different things. If he can identify the quarterbacks the way he claims, great. I, I need to look further at those. I was going to do that today. And then we got 10 freaking stories. Um, I don't know. Some of it to me reeks of Bill Polian and saying he knew Brady was a first round pick. Like I, it's easy to say it now. Um, but if he's, I, I think the real value in McAdoo, and it's going to sound stupid to some people, but this is really what I think. And, and I think this is important. Look, Tom Coughlin's not Bill Belichick, but Tom um, Coughlin was a franchise legend. He's probably the greatest coach in the history of franchise, at least in the modern era of the New York giants. He was there for a long time. He won. He was highly respected replacing somebody like that is not easy. He's done it. It didn't necessarily go well, but he's traveled those roads. He's had that experience. And that's what, and I I think that extends beyond head coach, you know, obviously for Gerard Mayo, that's big, but even for, I think guys like, like DeMarcus Covington, like Alex Van Pelt being as part, being a part of the first post bill Belichick staff, I think comes with a certain level of weight that you're just not going to get anywhere else. So having a guy who's kind of navigated that before in, in in Ben McAdoo, I certainly think adds something to the staff. That being said, I still want to fill, see them fill out all the positional coaches. I still want to see them hire quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, wide receiver, tight end, right, yada yada yada. But to me, if 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 McAdoo adds value, it's there. It's just kind of being a veteran voice in a difficult situation. And one thing I will say in I guess not really McAdoo's defense is that you're cat. But-
1: yeah, she jumped on my lap. I think she All jumped right, over right. the gate there. we've got. So if you see it, Dale, that's probably why. Um, but in McAdoo's defense, one, like you mentioned, he was respected enough by Tom Coughlin that he was his successor. I don't think yeah. that's any small thing. Also, of course, had success when he was the Green Bay. Now, Aaron Rodgers makes that pretty easy, but you can right. take it one of two routes. Like you can go, uh, you know, the Nathaniel Hackett route were, okay, was he just a yes man where he kind of did whatever Aaron wanted and then just kind of wrote his coattails? You could say that. But also the fact that he went to another organization, and still had success. I think he also uh, helped Eli Manning in one of his better late seasons. Also identified the fact that Eli Manning was on the decline. And tried to elevate Geno Smith. And obviously that was a huge disaster. Because everyone poo-pooed the idea because Eli Manning was a franchise legend. He was kind of one of the guys that was like, maybe we should move on from this guy. So in terms of identifying talent, stories like that make you think, okay, maybe there's something there. And then you think of his recent track records. So like, To be fair, those Giants teams were not good. It's not like he was working with a whole lot of talent. If we're just being totally fair, because you can judge a head coach, and sometimes you forget like what they're actually working with. And then you look at the Panthers, where, yeah, he didn't have success there, but that was also a Matt Rule team. Matt Rule didn't last very long, and another team that wasn't right. exactly overstocked with talent. So this is one of those where I feel like we're not really going to know much about it or how great a move it is necessarily until we find out more what their specific job is and kind of how this works out, yeah, just- but...
2: I just think you have a guy that, I mean, so he, he finished up with the Giants in 2017. He's out of the league for two years, comes back on a bad Jaguars team, is essentially out of the league in 2021 again. He's like an advisor for the Cowboys. Yep. Comes back in 22 with a bad Panthers team and is out of the league. So for the last five years, he's either been out of the league or only the worst team in the league will employ him. And that's, that's kind of where I, that's, that's what I wonder about. I, I, look, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big proponent of there's a big difference between head coach and coordinator. And mm-hmm. just cause a guy's a bad head coach does not mean he's a bad football coach. I truly believe that. I do get weary when guys are out of the league. Cause especially somebody that has the pedigree McAdoo does coming from New York, because we know it's an old boys club, right? Former mm-hmm. head coach of the giants. They want to have that guy around yet nobody wants to have him around. So I wonder why, and, and look, maybe that's personal. Maybe he was just like, I need a break. But that that is kind of always a little bit of a red flag to me.
1: I think that's very fair. All right, moving on, we've got T.C. McCartney, former Browns tight ends coach, now is the Patriots' quarterbacks coach. Now, one thing I'll mention here is that as I Are mentioned they officially earlier,
2: like, hired him, or was that is it still just targeting? That was a report. I'm sorry, that was okay. a report, so not an official hiring. Good. Well, I mean, we've good been good. on this for like 40 minutes. Stuff breaks. I actually didn't know. So yeah, no, no, no. I believe it's just been
1: reported to this point. Um, they're targeting him or zeroing in on him, however they want to phrase it. Uh, yeah. the former Browns tight ends coach would be the Patriots' quarterbacks coach. And again, with Alex Van Pelt, he clearly has a lot of say. Even when he was the offensive coordinator before he was the quarterback coach for Cleveland, he made it very clear that he wanted to be a presence, he wanted to be a voice, and he's got his own system. So I think McCartney would more just be someone who can kind of – and it's also important to remember that, one, he McCartney never really got the chance to be – the quarterbacks coach, although he has been it before and he was the Broncos coach uh, for quarterbacks in 2019, where Joe Flacco was his primary starter. Obviously, Flacco had success last year with the Browns. Uh, but this is his first chance to kind of go back to his natural position. What did you think about this potential hiring? Um, do you like it? Are you kind
2: of like, I oh, will wait and see how are you feeling? This one's interesting. Look, I said when the, I was on the show with you, I said when they hired Van Pelt, the quarterback coach position wasn't a major worry to me. Yep. Uh, Because Van Pelt, I think, is going to be the de facto quarterback's coach. So it's interesting. A lot of their hires leading up to this, Van Pelt, McAdoo, felt like quarterback development hires. And whether that the quarterback they're developing in that sense is the third overall pick or Mac Jones or a later pick, like that's another discussion. But this is a coach you're going to have to develop. And I'm not saying that McCartney can't coach quarterbacks. And I know he played the position, but that was 15 years ago. He's really only coached it primarily once. He wasn't even assistant quarterback's coach. He was an offensive assistant. So maybe he was around quarterbacks in that regard. This to me, I wonder if, I wonder if this is the case for Gerard Mayo or Elliot Wolf or somebody went to Van Pelt and said, Hey, you know, if you're going to leave in two or three years and become a head coach, we want you to have somebody on staff who you're developing as your heir apparent, parent as offensive coordinator. And that to me is McCartney. Like he's a young guy He's worked with multiple positions. You add quarterback to the resume of having been a tight end, having been in San Francisco with Shanahan, having been a general offensive assistant, and, like, all the pieces are there. You look at his resume. All the pieces are there to make, like, a very logical offensive coordinator candidate minus quarterbacks coach. So I wonder if this is a case Mm -hmm. where, all right, Alex Van Peltz and and Ben McAdoo are going to have a big hand in the quarterbacks, and then he's going to be the quarterbacks coach, but they're also kind of along with developing the quarterbacks are going to develop him. And then if, cause if it goes well with Van Pelt, he's going to get a head coaching job. That's just, that's how this league works. We know this boom. Now McCartney's your, your next in line offensive coordinator. And that's easy. Is that automatically going to happen? I don't know. Like that's the thing. It's, it's a developmental plan. It's that's a best case scenario. I just laid out, but it does feel like that's kind of what they're trying to put together with this hire. I was expecting again, just the way the hires had gone more, you know, experience season. I was expecting one of these guys that's like been coaching the NFL for 30 years. And 20 of them have been with quarterbacks and he's just coached Mm -hmm. all these different quarterbacks all over the league. Right. A guy like that. This is a little different. And this to me is, I think they're, it's been a bit of an older coaching staff too. some of the guys they're targeting. I think, um, uh, uh, Peters is in his fifties, right. Is an older guy. So this, this is a younger guy a little bit different. And I wonder if they wanted some youth and, and maybe a, a potential next man up on that staff.
1: That's very fair. And it, it, it does make a lot of sense that they would at least be trying to groom him to be something else. And to his credit with tight ends coach, like he was really only an offensive assistant in his prior coaching style. Right. Then coaches David Njoku to two of his best seasons of his career. So promising in terms of him as like a mentor and as a teacher, just his track record with the Browns is pretty good, but we'll see how he is. See, I kind of want him as a tight ends coach. coach.
2: Cause I, I well, like what I he with Njoku yeah. I like what they did with Njoku. And then they're probably going to draft a tight end and he's approved. Like, but I, I, he's the quarterback's coach. So whatever.
1: Do we think will line sticks around? Because he didn't no. follow
2: Bill O'Brien that we know of. So like, well, I'm just curious what the deal even is with him. Well, I don't know who, like Bill O'Brien's hiring at Ohio State was super weird. Like that's not a usual, they already had a full offensive staff and then they basically just added him. To a role that they already had filled. They double For filled offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, we'll say nothing's official yet. Right. But, you know, if he goes to BC, he's going to have to then build out his own staff at BC. And Will Long tends to follow him. So I would think Will Lawing goes there. Uh, my guess would be that spot is open okay. because he was a yeah. Bill O'Brien guy. And, and Mike Giardy kind of opined this earlier on Twitter. And he's right. I think they learned the lesson of hiring Bill O'Brien and not letting Bill O'Brien bring his guys. And if you're going to learn your lesson on that, You know, Will Long might be a super nice guy, but if Alex Van Pelt wants somebody else, Alex Van Pelt's going to get somebody else.
1: Good point. All right. Alonzo Highsmith has been, it's believed to have a senior role in the Patriots front office. I don't believe we have a title exactly yet, but he was the former general manager of football ops at the University of Miami. Very, very good resume. He's had stops
2: at some very good front offices. What were your thoughts on his hiring? First of all, certified badass. I mean, led the U in rushing in the mid-80s, won a national championship at the U. He's in their Hall of Fame. The U was the U, right? Uh, If you haven't watched the U 30 for 30, go watch it. Awesome, awesome documentary. Uh, Third overall pick. So, a guy who knows a thing or two about the third overall pick, (laughs) right? Which the Patriots need. Was a boxer for a little bit. He fought Martin Castillo and knocked him out. Like, so... Uh, our friend Mike Cadlick is doing the, the Patriots coaching staff vibes, right? We may need to add uh, Alonzo Highsmith to the vibes check, even though he's not technically a coach. Black and white picture of him throwing a jab. <laughs> no, it's in color. It's in color. I saw him. I, I saw oh, that the <laughs> of him fighting. Oh, uh, well, I think it was like late 80s uh, or, or uh, late 90s. But um, yeah, he's a really interesting hire because he was doing a lot at the U and the U had a good couple of years, especially in terms of recruiting, uh, obviously has the familiarity with, with Wolf was with him in green Bay was with him in Cleveland. Uh, the, the staff definitely has former players kind of that box checked front office. You, and look, I, it's nothing against macro and Elliot Wolf. Yeah. A bunch of nerds like Cameron, Cameron <laughs> Williams played in college. But, like, you had guys that came up in scouting, You didn't have a lot of guys that had that high-level playing experience. And I think that's important. Even if it's a guy that played 20, 30 years ago, it, not everybody – I know, like, people say, oh, well, does that mean certain people – no, not everybody on your staff needs to be a former player. But you should have some. And so he definitely adds – he's a guy that's that's been around the game for 40 years. He's seen a lot of different football in a lot of different ways – I think having that kind of uh, experience, that kind of background just as an advisor. And I think that's what his role was. It was like senior personnel advisor or something or senior personnel executive. Good, good addition. Good, solid addition.
1: Great. Keep moving through these. Bobby Brown, another addition to the front office who was formerly on the Texan and a Texans associate director of football administration, where he's dealing with a lot of their salary cap stuff. Also spent seven years actually working in the Patriots front office and Got his master's degree in athletic administration from BC, so he's very much a New England guy. Uh, what do you think about him? I feel like he's probably the guy we know the least about right now, other than the whole like salary cap
2: background. Yeah, I, I don't think he's like a football football hire. This mm-hmm. is a, a he, he's the administrative side. So, yeah. you know, the closest he gets to football ops, I think, is managing the cap. But like when he was with the Patriots, he worked in the equipment department. He worked with the travel department. I think he's more of a logistics guy uh, than sense. anything else. All right, Scott
1: Peters. So we already brought him up earlier in the show. He, another other guy, we don't know what his role is going to be yet, but he's on the Patriots staff. You'd assume he's going to be the offensive line coach because he did work under the legendary Bill Callahan for so long. What were your thoughts? Because I know you love his jiu-jitsu background.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. And and the Patriots had a guy in Joe Kim who did that on the defensive side of the ball Uh I, he seems like an old school offensive line coach, and I know he kind of got into coaching recently. He was in working UFC for a little bit, but seems like a kind of guy is going to you know bite kneecaps and all that. In all seriousness, the Browns' offensive line's been good, really good under Bill Callahan, and I look at Scott Peters the same way I kind of looked at at Cole Popovich and Carmen Versillo in 2020. Was they had worked for Dante Scarnecchia? Scar leaves, and it's all right. How much of what Scar was doing? can they transfer and can they implement and they did a pretty good job there to start and then obviously you know neither one's with the team anymore but i look at Scott Peters the same way he he worked for Bill Callahan for 4 years they had very good results working together most of the credit goes to Callahan he is the head offensive line coach but excuse me as Peters comes to New England can he be uh can he do something similar yep all right the last one we'll close out with is Elliot Wolf
1: no. Ian Rappaport, in not so many words, basically said that Wolf is a de facto GM, that he is going to be leading the charge um, along with other members of the front office, but it's mainly going to be him. I don't think we're really surprised by this. I know that he and Matt Grow are performing tasks that are opposite of what their duties are. It's like Grow is doing what Wolf's job should be as a director of scouting, and then director of player personnel, Matt Grow, or I'm sorry, Wolf is doing what you'd expect um, a director of player personnel to do. With, in addition to that, He's the general manager, kind of without the title because he's so involved in the staff hirings. What were your thoughts uh, with Ian's report?
2: Yeah, you're spot on with with the flipping the titles. And look, at this point, NFL teams, uh, they change titles uh, in the offseason all the time, and it usually doesn't get made public for a little bit. Uh, To me, the the titles are just holdovers from last year. They'll get straightened out, but it does seem like they flipped the, the roles. Uh, 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 Matt is going to handle the the lead on the scouting, but it's it's Elliot Wolf's show. All right, that
1: pretty much does it for us. Thank you all so much for watching, Alex. Before we get out of here, let people know you got anything coming down the pipeline we should be looking out for.
2: Yeah, 985thesportshub.com. Uh, I have reactions to all the news today, and I'm literally going to close this window and jump on with Brian and do an immediate, uh, an emergency Patriots beat like within a minute of this ending. So I will be watching. All right. Thank all you, right. buddy. Thank you all for watching.